Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Founder Pack Podcast, where your host, Brendan Rod, brings startup stories from experienced founders and other functional experts to help current and future founders get inspired and grow their knowledge with quick tactical insights. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hey, Alex, what's up? Hey, man, how are you? Good, good. I'm excited to have you on the show. Really been impressed by <laughs> what you're getting up to. So thanks for taking the time. How is your week going so far? Good, man. Really productive week. Um, onboarded some new customers, hiring some new people from the team, and yeah, having some fun. What's kind of going on in your world at the moment? What are some founder-type things you're you're working on? Well, you know, we run a video marketing company, right? So um, over the last three years, I've been at this pretty hard. And it's wild to think that it's even been three years already. Like I had to look back and I was like, it's really been three years. Like in one sense, it feels like it was just yesterday. And then in another sense, it feels like it's been a lifetime. So, but you know, the past three years, we've been working really hard to build a brand around video content and creative video content. And what and really what video content can do for you and your business, which is build trust at high levels attract your dream customers and position you as the only choice. And so we've been working really hard the last few years to do that. And now I feel like it, it just a lot of people are starting companies are starting to finally make the switch and get serious about video. And so like we've been like putting our stake in the ground and just working really hard and get better and try to do the best we can. And uh, we've built a brand as a result of it. So now when everyone starts flooding over to video and specifically on LinkedIn and through some of the type of content we do, We've just had a lot of business come in, man. So it's been really good. But I told everyone, any story I tell or anybody I talk to about this, I'm like, it's just like any story that you hear. It's never like, oh, you did a few videos and all of a sudden things popped off and everything worked great. You never started a business and then 60 days later, there was no challenges and it just blew up and everything was easy. There has been three years of challenges, you know, and fun and fulfillment and, and adventure. And there's been a lot of great times, but there's been a lot of challenging times too. I'm sure. Before we jump in, I was curious to dive into the video topic. Would you say that founders are investing more of their time and their company's time into video and video strategy? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at what's happened with video content in general over the last four years, the amount of video that we consume as consumers, as people, has doubled from four years ago. So it's like, you know, and you, and you think about where that's at, that's more streaming services. Think about how many more streaming services there are. Think about how many more uh, social media platforms that are heavy video now, TikTok, Instagram Reels. The whole Instagram feed's completely changed. It's pretty much all video now. It's all Reels, right? That wasn't the case a year or two years ago. Absolutely not. LinkedIn's become much more of a video platform, right? And you still got text and pictures and that kind of stuff, but it's much more video now. And the same, now YouTube shorts, right? And YouTube's been around for a while. So if you look at it from a consumer side before going to an actual like uh, producer or creator of video, if you're consuming you know twice as much video on the average person, well, that starts to shift your mindset in terms of how you think about video because you're really just, you see it all the time. And I would say if you pull up to a stoplight and you look to your left and you look to your right, you will see people do this. You know, and they're on their phone. They're on their freaking phones. And they're, maybe they're consuming vertical videos. Maybe they're sending a message. Whatever they're doing, this is where the attention is. And so if you're a business in 2023 and you're not focused on grabbing the attention that is the smartphone, 
you're missing a big opportunity. And so I think there's just a lot of buzz around it. And the fact that more people are actually consuming more video, it's just kind of like domino effect that's been happening. I actually take it way back to like fundamentals in terms of video content. I'm like, you know, look, video content is great and flashy as it is and as cool it is as it is now. It's also an incredible way to build trust with your customers. Because if you think about why your customers buy, they probably trust they did some research and homework on what options they had. They trust they chose the right product and service and company to partner with. And they trust that you're going to be able to deliver on that. Well, if we know that trust is the backbone of winning customers and building a business, if we know that trust is important, that we, we build it with our customers, then the ultimate cheat code for business is going out into the marketplace and building as much trust as we possibly can with our customers as fast as we possibly can, as fast as we possibly can. Freaking alerts. Um, and so that's it. And so I, what I do is I try to connect that back to video. And like, look, the platforms can change. It could be TikTok, Switchbox, Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook. It could be Meta. It could be, you know, whatever it is, right? The platforms are going to change, but the foundational principles of building trust, answering your customers' questions, helping them through their solution or their buying journey process, you know, and all those types of stuff, that is going to remain the same regardless of technology, video, AI, everything else. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And maybe to to wrap up here, unless you want to start breaking out into some some rap, because I, I feel like that vibe's coming along. <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe part of our fun fact section, you'll you'll drop a few rhymes. <laughs> yeah, um, no pressure. Um, but yeah, just to kind of wrap up on the video piece before we dive into the episode, what time frame would you say to founders or to your ideal customers how long do they need to execute on their video strategy to start seeing some leading indicators that yeah we're doing it something right yeah so i'll use me for a quick example right so just to kind of paint the picture in a story here so the first thing you want to do is look at the purpose of your content why are you putting out content in the first place a lot of people say like brand awareness attention for the business I just don't think that's it at the end of the day for most companies. I think really you want to be entering the marketplace with your narrative or perspective or unique point of view. Example, me. I enter the marketplace and I talk a lot about how video can help you build trust and attract your dream customers and how you've got to be creative and engaging with it. And you've got to you know, know how the different platforms work. And that's my narrative is I try to like educate people on the fact that like this is the mindset shift that you need to make in your business. You need to rely on video because it's where the consumers are. So I'm constantly, I'm constantly talking about that same narrative over and over and over again. Now, here's the problem. Some people just do that. And then what happens is a, somebody watching my video, a potential customer could go take that and go, Alex said video is like the gateway to building trust. And Alex said video is really important in our business. So we need to start doing video. And then they go do video, but they don't have the right strategy. And then they come back after a while and they go, Alex said the video stuff works. We haven't seen any results from our videos. That's on me at that point because I didn't teach them how to actually get results. So it's got to be the narrative, the point of view, the why, but then you've got to be able to teach them the how. And that's where it's like, here's a strategy, here's a tactic, here's a technique. So they can go and implement on their own. A lot of times they won't even try. They'll just come to you because now you're the expert, right? You've, you've taught them stuff. Sometimes they will. And if they don't get it right, that's when they'll come to you if they believe that your methodology is still correct. But that's kind of where I would start with the content. And then you asked, you're asking, you know, how long should you give it in terms of video? Like how long should you give, you know, video a chance to work before you just say, I'm just not going to make videos anymore. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people are. 
So I would look at the first, if I've got that strategy piece down, the purpose piece down, then I'm looking 60 days in, 90 days in, and I'm looking for what is the qualitative feedback. I'm looking for business owners and, and CEOs, the people I'm trying to attract, founders. I'm looking at, are they commenting on my videos and on my content? Are they saying things like, this is really good insights. I haven't heard, seen this perspective before. Man, this just changed the way I think about our industry. This is crazy, right? Or are they sharing it with their peers? Are they tagging other people and say, hey, Jonathan, hey, Susie, you got to take a look at this. This is really interesting. We were kind of talking about this the other day, but this guy's got a different perspective on it, right? So I'm looking for that type of qualitative feedback first. And then I'd say 60, 90 days in, I should start to see something. 120 days in, I should start to see more of the quantitative data, which would be the more of the likes, the comments, engagements, the views, and then obviously the inbound leads. So I'd say first, first two, three months, really rely on that qualitative data. What are people saying about the content? And beyond that, that should lead to the quantitative. Awesome. Thank you for this quick crash course dovetailing into the, the theme of the show. Well, partial theme of the show. We spoke offline about managing your dream life as a founder. So I would love to hear more about what that all means and your perspective and how you go about doing that. Yeah, I mean, it, the reason I started thinking about this was a couple of different reasons. But one thing was when I started my business, much like a lot of business owners and founders, there were periods of time where, and if you're listening to this right now, you you may be there right now or you may have been there before, chances are, but you've built your business around your life. Uh, or no, sorry, your life. I always get these mixed up. You built your life around your business. And then you've built your, instead of building your business around your life, big time difference. So when you build your business around your life, then you're incorporating your business into your dream life and into the life that you want to create for yourself, for your loved ones, for your family. When you're building your business and then you're trying to fit your life into that, it gets really complicated and you end up sitting around one day and go, yeah, I'm building something successful. Cool. But what, what is this all for? And what, what am I really doing this for? What's the purpose? What's the why, right? So it caused me many times to sit down and say, I need to figure out what, if I could just paint a picture of like what my dream life looks like. And then I could go and say, all right, if this is my dream life, step one, this is my dream life, right? This is a vision that I have on my life that I want to live. That's step one. Step two, what do I need to start doing to make that happen? And I don't think it's just like a what or a how. I think in a lot of ways, it's a who we need to become. It's I need to change some shit about my life. I need to give up some things. I need to sacrifice some things. I need to choose uh, better behaviors or habits or actions or whatever it is. And then the third step is you've got to start taking action. And for some people, that might just be one step. Just take one step. Because if you're feeling overwhelmed right now, or you're not sure you can get there or the mountain looks too high to climb, you take one step and you start building some confidence. And then you, that gives you the confidence to go to the next step. And pretty soon you're starting to build a life where you can look at and go, this is pretty freaking cool. If I could, if I could have dreamed this up, this is kind of what I'm living. And I know it sounds kind of like, it sounds cliche, like, oh, I don't know if that's possible and stuff. And it, it's challenging. It's not easy, but you definitely can get to a place where you look around and go, man, I, this is exactly what I wanted. You know, I'm, it's not that I'm happy 24 seven and there's no challenges and no problems. Of course there is. It's not about going through no challenges or no problems or no heartaches. It's about living a life that you feel fulfilled with and there's meaning and there's purpose and you feel excited to wake up and do what you're doing every day. That's what it's about. Now, on the flip side, I'll say this, that there are certainly seasons 
in sacrifices that you're going to go through, right? So in the beginning of the business or the, as a new founder, or you're starting a new career or whatever you're doing, there are certain times where you're just going to have to put in more time. You just got to grind, as they say, and people don't like to say that word a lot of times now, like hustle, grind, right? But sometimes you got to go through that and you got to suck it up and just say, look, I'm making a sacrifice here. I'm not going to completely ignore my, the rest of my life, but I'm going to put a significant amount of time into this, knowing that if I do that for six months, 12 months, to whatever it is, that that's going to set up a crazy amount of freedom in my life moving forward, both financially and personally and being able to travel, spend time with loved ones, all that stuff. So I think that recognizing what's the vision, what do you need to do to get there, start taking action, but also realizing that like, don't be too hard on yourself because there's going to be times when you just got to go hard on one area and not as hard on the next. There's times when I'm like, I'm going hard on the business and I got to stop and go, man, I need, to, I need to take a break from this and like spend quality time with my family. And then there's times where I'm like, man, I am crushing it as a dad. But like in the business, I'm like not being as good for my team as I need to be, right? So I need to adjust. So it's not about balancing some perfect thing. You're going to go hard in certain areas and stuff, but it's about, are you getting closer to that dream state? Are you making progress? What would you say prompted this change? Can you give some examples of what it was like in the extreme and what are some of the sacrifices that helped you to have that yes. better family work-life balance? I'll be very transparent with you, Brendan. Like when I was building my business as a side hustle, I was working full-time, single dad, two daughters. I'm working a uh, very high demanding full-time job and I'm building this side hustle. I got to a point where like for a long time, I was like, man, if I can build this business up, like I'm going to build it up. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to have some freedom. I'm going to quit my full-time job. And then you realize when you hit that next milestone, you hit it and you realize, okay, now we're here. Now what, right? And that's like, well, I'm gonna get the business to X, Y, and Z revenue and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna build a team and I'm gonna do it. And then you get there and you realize, okay, well, now what's next, right? How am I supposed to feel now? And so I think I got to a certain point where in the beginning I was so like, I'm gonna got this chip in my shoulder. I'm gonna build this business. I'm gonna show, you know, I had all these fat internal factors and some external too that were playing on me and, and really the motivating factors. And then I kind of like had some success. We still got a long ways to go, but we found some success. And then I was kind of like, what is all this for? You know, like, uh, and I get in this weird place sometimes. I don't know if other people get here too, but I get in this weird place where I'm like, there's sometimes I'm like, man, I'm building this empire. We're doing something special. We're going to be on top of the world. And then there's other times where I'm like, what is all this for? Who cares? What's, what, what, what's really the purpose? You know, like, so you become successful. No one cares. No one cares whether you fail miserably or whether you succeed big time. And that's the one thing, the mindset shift that I went through when I was building my business is like, I realized like, I always thought people would care and they think it's cool and all this weird stuff, right? And then you build it and it's like, you're the same. It's no one cares. <laughs> so it's like, so once you have that mindset shift, it, it shifts it back on internally and you start thinking, well, no one really cares. And I don't really care what people think so much anymore. Then all that's left to do is look at, well, what would I want then? What would I want? What kind of life do I want to live? What kind of father do I want to be? What relationships do I want to have? What type of relationships? What type of income do I want to make? What do I want to be able to do in terms of freedom and be able to pick up and go places without having to worry about it? Being able to take care of my loved ones and just even random people sometimes being able to give back and not have to worry about, oh, because I've been in situations where it's like you're paying for dinner for you and another person. And it's like, oh man, this is 60, 70 bucks. Like, oh God, you're just thinking about like, I really can't afford that. <laughs> And then it's nice to be able to not have to worry about that, just to be able to go to a dinner or, or give back or like this year we donated 
uh, to one of uh, one of our employees. They we did a, a few things, but one of them was uh, one of our employees knew somebody that had just had a baby and they had no money. They couldn't even afford a crib or nothing. And we bought the crib. We bought them food. We bought their entire Christmas list. Like that feels freaking amazing to do, right? So like for me, it's like not just making it for yourself so you can look cool. It's about like giving back and putting money back into the business and spending more time with family and doing things that really light you up and are fulfilling. So I hope that answers the question. But for me, it was like, as you go through these stages in life, you have these like little reflections on like, okay, so what are we, what are we doing here? You got to the next, that's why I think the miles, if you're just going off like milestones, like I need to make a hundred grand, then I need to get promoted, then I need this, then I need this. If you're always looking for the next thing, you're going to find yourself getting to the next thing and then there's something else. So it's like, you got to really think about internally, what do you really want? How has that affected productivity and the business, if, if at all? Yeah, I mean, so I went, like when I first started my business and I was still working my full-time job, I went six months in a row without a single day off. Like a, a, a six months in a row. And that's not like I worked 24-7, of course. Like I slept, I spent some with my kids. But any time that I got, any time that I wasn't with my kids, I was working. When I got off my full-time job, I'd work. When my kids went to bed, I would work. Every weekend I had it myself, I would work. And so it was like, I finally took a day off. I remember, I literally remember like it was yesterday. I finally decided like, you know what? I'm going to take a whole day off. It was so weird for me. And it was so like uncomfortable. And I, I felt so like weird. I felt like I was, I didn't know who I was. I was like, this is weird. I was like depressed the whole day. And so like for me, I had to learn like, all right, that's probably not good if I can't take a day off and not feel like depressed. <laughs> so I had to figure out what a good balance for me looked like, right? But there's, there's lots of sacrifices that I make. Like me, I went from solopreneur to wanting to build an agency in a team. And that requires a lot. You have to give up a lot of uh, control to get back a lot of freedom, right? If you're going to build a business that you can sell one day or that someone else can step in and run and you don't have to do the day-to-day -day grind stuff, you've got to be able to position yourself as maybe leader, visionary, things like that, manage that kind of stuff. But you've got to be able to sort of take yourself out of the day-to-day -day business stuff. And that's that that requires sacrifice, right? So it's like you're putting in a lot of front-end work to train, to hire really good people, to train, to put in systems and processes and SOPs and all these different things. We just hired a new operations lead and she's freaking crushing it. And she's really looking at our business and helping us evolve and helping us create better systems and, and standard procedures and employee workbooks. And we're looking at benefits now, like just stuff that we weren't doing as a one-year, two-year startup, right? But that takes a lot of my time. It takes a lot of my time to spend with her and now do this, but it's worth it because I'm sacrificing time on the front end to be able to get this company laid out to a point where like we can now scale and really build without one person having to run the show. Yeah, you can sacrifice the short term for the larger gain and you know, your time is money. You cannot scale your yourself without building around you. But I'll tell you this though too, Brendan, like, and you might, you probably feel the same way with kids. Like, I will not sacrifice any time with my kids if I feel like, like if there's something important that we're doing, or even if it's just the weekend hanging out, or we have our, our Friday night pizza movie game nights, like there are some things where I'm like, no, like I go pick up my kids every day or every day that I'm with them, right? Definitely every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we rotate weekends, that kind of stuff. But like today, I will go pick up my kids. I will be there when their bus arrives at daycare. And that's every single time I pick them up, that is the case. I will not take a meeting past 2.30. I will not take a meeting at three o'clock at 3.30. So there are some things, right? And I wasn't always as good at that before, but I always had like a good understanding of like, there's times when I sacrifice for the business, but being a parent and being a dad 
Like there is nothing that trumps that. I don't, there's no business success. There's nothing that means more than to me than being there for my kids and being a great father. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, right? And all that stuff, of course, but there's nothing, nothing trumps that. There's no business success that's going to be um, more important than being there for them. I just think that you can make both work. I think that you can do both. Ironically enough, I'm also the same person. I'll sit and tell you, like, my kids are not my why. They are part of my why. But if, if I didn't have kids, I'd still be doing this. Like, I, I, this, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm fulfilled by it. I'm growing as a person. Like, my whole identity isn't, a, isn't being a dad. It is certainly part of it and a big part of it. And, and I do want to build a great life for us and be able to travel and do things and provide for them and show them a great life. But to me, like that can be done as you're also building a successful business and providing for them isn't just financially. It's being there for them. It's picking them up. It's having good conversations with them. It's spending quality time. It's reading them a book before they go to bed. It's, you know, all these little interactions. You're sitting at dinner and you're not pulling out your phone doing this, right? Like you're really present with them. So I think for me, I just think you can do both. I think sometimes you make sacrifices and you have to do what you have to do in certain situations, but I really do think you can be both. And speaking of productivity and working on the business, what have been the hardest lessons in regards to scaling your business? Because I know you're like in the midst of that. One of the biggest ones, man, is like for me, hiring for leadership roles. Like there's periods of time when I put someone in a role, a team lead role that should not have been in a team lead role. It's just like, and it's just a mistake. Maybe deep down in my heart, I kind of knew that was the case, but like, it was just, the person was there. They were already on our team. They were familiar with it, but just, it just, and what it did is it like kind of set us back, right? Like we thought we had a good piece to the puzzle and, and she's a good person. I wish nothing but the best for her, but she was not a leader. She was not the person that was going to come in and do proactive things for our team and, and, and get shit done. And so I think part of it is like hiring, uh, although we've hired for the most part, really great people, like really, really, really great people. It's rare that I have to like let someone go. That's a full-time employee. That is a rarity, right? But it's just, as you scale, the leadership thing is, is you have to find the right person. And that's what I believe we found now in our current operations lead. She's someone that we can promote the VP and the, you know, potentially CEO at one point, like she's got that potential and you can see it the first couple of weeks. And I'm just like, man. This, this is what I, I should, I should have known this like the past, you know, six to eight months that this is what we needed. So I think leadership, leadership is it's from as a, as a person who's running the company, you have to be a phenomenal leader and be able to understand your people and what they want and what drives them, what motivates them and how are they feeling? Are they okay? Are they great? Are they not? Do you need to talk with them? That's tough because you're doing a lot of different things. But then when you start scaling, you got to know how to hire leaders and build those leaders so they can lead everyone else uh, that they're in charge of, right? So it's like double leadership. You've got to lead as as a uh, as as the company level, but then you've got to hire good leaders so you can lead them to lead the other people because that's the only way to scale. If you're going to lead every single person in the company every day, it's impossible to scale. I would say the other thing for us is like systems and processes. I know it's like an old adage in like growing a business and scaling. You have to have tight systems and processes and SOPs. Um, we've really leaned into that, that the past six months, whether it's project management software tools or whether it's like literally writing out SOPs, step one, step two, step three. If you can't systematize your business, you, you're not going to scale it, right? If someone comes in and they're like, how do you do this? And you're like, I don't know. We just kind of like do it. We just get it done. And like, here's some fucking manuals and like, here, you know, try it out. You can't hire. It makes it really tough to hire people. 
you can't replace yourself because people are coming in like, I don't know what they're doing. There's no system here. There's just like, there's like a wild, wild west, right? So I think being able to put things in place. So as I do things now, if it's something new that I'm doing, I'm like, you know, uh, whatever, if it's interviewing a candidate or if it's going through a new customer onboarding system, whatever it is, if I'm doing anything new in that process, I jot it down and I'm like, this is the SOP for X, Y, and Z. This is how we're going to do this step-by-step because I'm just pretending that somebody is going to be doing that at some point. And now they're starting to, and I can go here, this is the process. I just created a video tutorial the other day on our project management software, talking about new editors that come on. Here's exactly how you move videos from raw video files to this, to that, to edit it, to ready to post. Like, and it's just, now it's so easy. They just watch the video. It's a four minute video, part of our onboarding process. So that's an example of how you system and system and processes, and then it's leadership. Yeah, it's very underrated documentation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so I, I would say that you're in the minority when it comes to documentation as a startup, because usually it's non-existent. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I think it depends on what background you came from, too. Like, for me, I came from, like, I was content creator and a course creator and a consultant and coach. So I kind of had to productize my offering, and I created, like, a LinkedIn video boot camp. So it was like, You'd get enrolled, you auto, you had auto access, you got an email automatically, right? Boom. Then, <clears throat> then you got access to the video modules, which were like tutorials, right? And there was built out documents that you would download. And then you'd have a, we'd have a weekly chat that was once a week. It was recurring in your calendar. So I feel like for me coming from that background, it did help. It did help a lot from when I started like processes and, and system, systematizing our business. But yeah, I mean, we're just getting now to 20 people. Like before that, it's, you know, it, it's spotty for sure, right? And I think you're right. 20 people, man. And you start doing a certain amount of revenue, a certain amount of people, like you cannot wing stuff. Like you have to have a system and a process. Otherwise you just won't scale. You won't grow. Do, do you think there are benefits of letting people jump in the deep end and like figure things out? So I think it, it's a balance, right? So I think in one, in one token, you need processes and systems and structure Otherwise, people are just like, they're all over the place, right? And then you don't know how to lead them because they're all over the place. So what do I lead or manage them on? So I think you need structure. But then you also, on the other side, what I'm really big on is I don't want people to feel like they're in a box, right? Like I want my team to unleash their creative. And so like, I'm very big on if you got an idea, whether it's editing, content management, uh, operations in our business, customer acquisition, whatever it is, if you got an idea, or we could change my videos, anything that we can do differently in the business, I want to hear about it. I want to talk about it. I want to bring those ideas to the forefront because that's how we become better as a company. If it's just one person with all the ideas, well, you're losing out on the potential from all those other people that are creative and they have ideas and inputs and feedback. And so you want to kind of keep that feedback loop open. So I think it's it's part structure, but it's part like people knowing like, I could come to Alex and suggest some crazy ass idea from left field and he's going to at minimum listen to me, right? Whether or not we implement that is, is a different you know, thing. It depends on what it is. But I think you need to give people that, that space, like, like break the box down, let them go, let them feel like they've got some freedom, but they've got enough structure where they're not fearing off and they're just, you know, never to be found again. And speaking about creativity and thinking out the box, what have been some of your biggest or most impactful growth making decisions for your company? Well, it would have to be when we pivoted from solopreneurship to agency. I mean, once I decided to like, and that's a big move for people to make because you now at some, now at this point, you know, you, you're responsible for people, like people's lives and they make their money and provide for their family 
as a result of your opportunity. So it's a much bigger responsibility. And now you've got to deal with different things in, in the business and personalities and culture and that kind of stuff. But I would say high level, that was the biggest thing because I, I just knew it was, I, I could find a way to scale myself, sure. But I really wanted it to build a company and I really missed being with people and leadership. And I really do enjoy that. So I think for me, that, that was a, a really, really big one. Um, but I'll say this in terms of like cr a creativity hack, because people are like, how do you make creative videos and how do I become more creative? And, and for me, it's like, you have to be able to unleash it in the first place. Like you have to get out of your own head because if you're stuck in your own head, you may be really creative, but you're just not giving yourself an opportunity to actually let it go. But the actual hack that I did is in the morning, I've told this story to some people on LinkedIn, but not everyone know that, knows this. In the morning for the past pretty much three years straight, I go, I wake up. 5.30, I get ready. If I'm taking my kids to school, I take them to school and I go right back to the coffee shop. If I'm not with my kids that day, I go right to the coffee shop at 6 a.m. as soon as they open. And I spend 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. That's my creative space. So now there's time periods, if I'm being honest, where like, I'm not doing the creative stuff like I should. And when I stop doing it, I notice that I don't, I'm not as it's creative. I don't have the creative juices and the ideas and this and that, and the creative videos aren't flowing. But as soon as I bring that back and I give myself an opportunity in time to just be creative, to just, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and, and that hour could be used or half an hour. It could be 20 minutes for you listening to this or five or 10 minutes on a walk, whatever it is, give yourself an opportunity to like destructure and let your mind just go, right? It's not logical. It's not X's and O's. It's like, you know what? I'm going to think of some concepts today, or I'm going to think of a new, new way to do something, or I'm going to think of a new piece of content or an idea for a show or a podcast, or I'm just going to, maybe I'm a drawer, I'm an artist, I'm going to draw some shit, I'm going to write some stuff, I'm a writer, make some videos, whatever it is. Give yourself time daily, weekly to, I consider it kind of like my own, almost like my meditation, but give yourself time to sort of unleash your creativity and do some things that like you can't put down on an Excel sheet. It's just like that was time well spent because I got amazing stuff out of it that later on will translate, but it's not something I'm putting in an Excel sheet. It's more just this creativity. You, you sort of alluded to routine and consistency. As a founder, having to wear so many hats and be pulled in so many directions every five, 10 minutes, half an mm -hmm. hour, how do you build in consistency into your weekly routine so that you can be productive and efficient in all areas, not like half-assed in, in everything. How, how do you manage that? You know, I think like it's, it's building habits. Like habits are everything. If you can just get in the groove, and I think sometimes we need to stop thinking and just start doing, but for me, getting up at 5.30, doing my coffee shop thing, um, you know, working out, staying healthy, those things are important to me, picking up my kids at a certain time. For me, it's like I heard Kobe Bryant say one time, he was like, when I make a commitment to myself, he goes, it's a contract. And when I sign that contract, it's done. There's no negotiating. I'm not negotiating with myself. I'm not coming back and saying, you know, hey, you said you're going to do these things, but what if we tweaked it a little bit? What if you did half of this? It's Friday. Come on. It's, you know, I don't negotiate, right? If I made the commitment, I'm going to stick with it. Does that mean that's perfect? Of course not. Does that mean there's some days I'm like, F this, I'm going to go pick up the kids and we're just doing whatever. And I'm not doing any more work the rest of the night. You know, of course you need to have those, those, that flexibility. But when you commit to something, treat it like it's signing a contract. And when you sign that contract, it should mean something. I mean, that's your word, that's your bond, that's your values. And so I think for me, it's like getting clear on what you want to accomplish and start building those habits and just making it non-negotiable. It's like breathing air. 
It's like, uh, there's no way I'm not going to be fit. There's no way I'm not going to spend time with my girls. There's no way I'm not going to like wake up and do what I love every single morning. It's just, it's just what I do. It's like program now. So do you segment your day or your weeks by different activities in yeah. order to give your best in, let's say, management, leadership, yes. creativity, projects? What does your calendar look like? Yeah. So um, Monday and Tuesdays are heavy like meetings days. And we have, whether it's team meetings, whether it's one-on-ones, whether it's customers, prospects, my Monday and Tuesdays are pretty busy. I typically film my podcast, right? And then Wednesdays, I don't take any meetings. I completely block off. And so that's for me, if I want to record some videos, the creative ones, if I want to write my content for the next week, the copy, if I want to spend time building out something in the business on customer stuff, that's my Wednesday. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not doing any meetings. Now, if an emergency pops up or something I absolutely have to do, I'll do it. But for the most part, it's like, that's it. It's blocked off. If you go to my calendar, you can't book a call with me on a, on a Wednesday, right? I think that, that that's important to have that time to yourself and to put back into you and the business, family, whatever you want. So the Monday and Tuesday are kind of crazy. Wednesday, I'm doing my own thing internally. Thursday, I do do some meetings and some calls, some podcasts, that kind of stuff. And then Friday, I block out too. I don't do any calls on Friday unless it's like maybe end of week wrap with a team member or something like that. And so for me, that's a good operating for re- rhythm for me. And then by Friday, three o'clock, I can stop if I want to. And there's some Fridays where I'll work till 10. <laughs> and there's some Fridays where I'll stop and pick up my kids and I'll do anything the rest of the night. It just depends. So I think the structure is good. But again, it's like we said earlier, it's like, I like some structure there, but then I also want the flexibility to be able to like, you know, go outside a bit if I want to. Yeah, I think guard, guardrails is, the, is a nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bumpers. Let's get some bumpers in there. Yeah. Um, and then perhaps to like wrap up the, the episode, you talked about using the domino effect principle in your life yeah, and business. Yeah. Can you explain a bit more what that means? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, the domino effect. So if you don't know what this is, this can literally change your life and your business. So it's basically looking at like, again, what, do you, what is your dream life and what do you want to accomplish? And, and let's just say maybe we're sticking with business in this case. Like what's, if you look at your business as a whole or your life as a whole, you can write down a lot of things that you need to do, especially coming into a new year. People are like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it can seem overwhelming when you look at all the things that you could do in your life and business and all this different stuff. But what I look at is like, what is the one thing I could do that I could commit to that would domino effect so many other things, right? And for certain people, it's like, it could be an example. I'm going to become the healthiest version of me possible. Now, that may seem like that's one thing, right? But if you become the healthiest version of you and you're not so healthy, or maybe you're overeating or over drinking, well, now you're, you feel better. You have more energy. You get better sleep. You're not drinking, so you're spending more time in the business and being productive or with your family having fun. You know, like all these different things. And then because you're not doing that, you, you came up with a new idea that now is going to move your business three or four levels up. Right now you're able to build another relationship that you wouldn't have had before because you didn't feel good or you went to bed late or you, you know what I mean? And so you can create all these different effects from that one domino dropping. And if it's in a business, it could be like, I'm going to hire an operations lead. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to spend time with them. I'm going to lead them right. I'm going to train them right. And that one operations lead that we hire is going to completely transform the business and solve the next 50 problems, right? Like not just from nothing, we've got to spend time and put in the work, but that's what I mean by domino effect. So if you look at your life or business, there's typically one to two major things that if you, do- if you dove in and if you really fixed and you really handled and took care of, not brushed under the rug, 
that would domino affect so many other things. For some people, that's putting out video content consistently. That could domino the revenue goals, the hires, the this, the like all the stuff that they're looking for. Video could be that. Awesome. I love that. It's simple, but achievable. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we're going a bit in reverse order today. Maybe I'll end the show off with you sharing one fun fact about yourself. One fun fact about me. I do like to rap. I do enjoy uh, freestyling, creating music, that kind of stuff. And sometimes it comes out in my content. People have seen it, right? Not a ton, but I do make like, uh, I love to rap and act, actually. I would even say probably acting is even number one. I don't know if I've really said that to, to anyone in public before, but... <laughs> I love, I love acting, dude. I love this. That's why I do the skit videos and stuff. For me, it's like, I don't have to do those videos anymore. Like, like in the beginning, it was like, it's what I built my brand off of. And I got so much, you know, it was really unique. And it was like my way to position myself and get customers. But now it's like, I don't have to do that. I just really enjoy it. And for me, it's like being in the game. Like, I don't want to, I love the game. I love the art. You know, I've sold my paintings and stuff like that. I don't need to keep painting, but I love to paint. So for me, it's like, it's, it's the, it's the art, man. And I, like when I watch shows or movies, which I don't do a ton of, but when I watch them for me, like I'm studying the actors and actresses, I'll pause the video or I'll pause the TV and I'll try to like regurgitate or like re-say their, their line and see if I can say their line better. Or like if I watch a skit or something on TikTok, like I'll, I'll reenact that and I'll try and see like, oh, I love the inflection they put on their voice or I love how like they looked a certain way or they paused for a second before they said something like there's little nuances that people don't realize that go into the acting and that kind of stuff and the videos that if it's not there, it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as real. And so for me, I always think about that. Like I may film a, maybe the video is a minute long and it's two characters in a skit. I may sometimes spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on one character, even though their parts only 30 seconds, because I want to get those parts down. I want you to feel like, oh my God, I feel like I'm literally watching this and this is real life. It's not someone acting out something. Like I literally feel like this guy is going through what, what he's portraying. No, I might, like that's I, how serious I think. I must say, I, I loved your, yeah, those skits that you did back in the day were amazing. And your new yep. versions now with the rap, it's like super high class. So, <laughs> Yep. I, and I got, dude, I got a lot, a lot coming. I'll drop one pretty much every Monday probably for a long time. Yeah, I was about to say, I hope you don't stop with that. I love it. So, Alex, this has been an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed talking with you. If anyone out there listening would like to um, pick your brain, chat more about either founder-related topics or video production, where's the best place? Um, LinkedIn's the best place to, to catch me, connect with me, and talk to me. Awesome. Is there anything you would like to add? Anything we missed before we wrap up here today? I think we, we covered a lot. I would just leave people with the, you know, the domino effect. Figure out that one thing that you could you could handle right now that you could take care of that could really get you 20 levels up. There's there's one thing and you're probably listening right now you freaking know what it is. Be honest with yourself. Look yourself in the mirror. It's there. Great, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the Founder Pack today. Appreciate it, brother. All right. Have a good one. You too. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Founder Pack Podcast with Brendan Rod, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share the channel and itsbmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. 
We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.